Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. Something very interesting is brewing in the Thunder Universe, and that is the release of the newest documentary from OKC Thunder Films called Pause the Game. And today we're joined by Thunder Vice President of Broadcasting and Corporate Communications and OKC Thunder Films Executive Producer Dan Mahoney to talk all things OKC Thunder Films and Pause the Game. So let's get right to it. This is the Thunder Basketball Universe. We are back and we're recording this podcast on Tuesday, June 8th. The season is officially behind us, but like we mentioned before, Nick, you and I aren't quite jetting off to the coast and sitting in the sand under palm trees quite yet. There's still some exciting things brewing in this Thunder Basketball universe. Paris, we've always got something going on. There's always (laughs) something cooking in Thunderland and uh, we've got a, a great topic on one of those things that we've been working on these last few weeks since the season's been up. And that is the latest offering from OKC Thunder Films. Previous projects include The Everyday Saint, Growing Up George, Mr. Thunder, and in just a few days, we will have the newest documentary added to the lineup, which will premiere at Dead Center Film Festival, and that is Pause the Game. And joining us to give us a little bit more in-depth look into OKC Thunder Films and the latest documentary, Pause the Game, is Thunder Vice President of Broadcasting and Corporate Communications and OKC Thunder Films executive producer, Dan Mahoney. Dan, thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. You know, Dan, the great this- thing about this is I'm here to talk about it, but you guys were deeply involved in it too. So this is a great discussion. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And one of the things that we just wanted to talk about first was kind of the origins of OKC Thunder Films, because this is far from the first project that this group has put together. And there have been some really, really interesting documentaries that have come out in previous years. And I think of The Kiwi Way before I even came to the Thunder. That was one that I watched before I even interviewed with the team, the organization, learning about Stephen Adams and just where he grew up. So tell us a little bit about how OKC Thunder Films got its start. Well, one of the things that I'm most proud of in, in my job is the content team that we have on our staff and the content that we've been able to produce since 2008 that has gotten through, you know, and that's prior to social media. But as social media came in and we expanded content teams to produce content for Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, every, every year, every project, we get better. And I'm very, very proud of what we do as a content team. I'm also very proud of the relationship that we have with our basketball communications office. Uh, Matt Tumbleson, John Reed, and that that crew that sort of leads the basketball part of our business in storytelling and messaging to the media and that sort of thing. And OKC Thunder Films really came out of that relationship and and that content that we all worked together to create and projects that we were working on that, that we really felt you know, sort of deserved a little extra attention in the storytelling, maybe a little extra budget, maybe a little extra time to be able to tell it. And those projects reached the level of quality that we really felt that they are, are films. There are many movies, they're documentaries. You know, so we really thought it was appropriate to sort of give them a brand of OKC Thunder Films. And then the partnership with Dead Center is really what made it. Dead Center is in its 21st year this year, screening 180 films, I think, both virtually and in person. Uh, last year, of course, they had to adapt the pe- to the pandemic and have uh, pretty much all online. This year, it's a little bit of a hybrid. But that partnership with Dead Center really took us to another level in terms of storytelling and sort of an entree into the film world. And while you know we're not ready to send Paris and Nick to the Academy Awards anytime soon, <laughs> um, 
what we really try to do, and you guys know this and, and, and love to hear you talk about it, we really try to, to, as we go through each of these projects each year, is try to make obviously the product better, the storytelling better, but also the process. You know, we, we, we don't, it, it's like when I was, I think I've even said this before, but when I was a kid in a band, I played the drums and the first thing we did was design our business cards. <laughs> and, and, my, and my dad said, well, why don't, you, why don't you practice first? Why don't you rehearse first? So before we got too out in front of ourselves with this OKC Thunder Films, we really focused on the quality of the storytelling, the quality of the production. We have our creative lead, Michael Zubak, who is just an absolute you know, whiz when it comes to the production. And the ideas that everybody brings to the table to make these projects better um, is really is what I'm the most proud of the collaboration that we have, the team that we have that, that does these, but each year we try to get better in the process, the product. And, and, um, and I think we do that and we'll continue doing that. Dan, you know, I, I've had been fortunate enough and, and been grateful to be a part of each one of these. And something that stands out to me is that you have really encouraged us to test our limits by taking on very different types of subjects, very different uh, formats of how we might tell these stories. Will you maybe discuss in some of these projects that we've done, be it Mr. Thunder or Growing Up George or Si Senor, which was a Spanish language film, the different ways that we've tried to maybe spread our wings and, and push the envelope on what we're capable of as a storytelling uh, platform? Yeah, I think what we didn't want to be was just the documentary unit. You know, I mean, 30 for 30, they do a terrific job. Wonderful storytellers. Obviously, the, the, the Jordan piece last summer was absolutely incredible. But that's not, we don't want to be known just as the documentary producers. Uh, now, while some of these can be classified as documentaries, you know, we did want to challenge ourselves. Like, like the year that we decided, you know, PG had this wonderful story of his relationship with his family, particularly his sisters. And we knew that story and we just said, yeah, we could tell that. We could get Paul on camera. We could get the sisters on camera. But how could we do it a little differently? How could we do it where it, it sort of sets it apart from others? And not just that, but also, like you said, like challenging ourselves. Like, let's, let's try something. Let's try animation. Let's try, and we'd never done animation before. And we went out and found an animation uh, creative house in Portland that, that did a wonderful job, Deep Sky Productions. Uh, we used Nana A, our Thunder super fan in Tokyo, to provide the illustrations and just to challenge ourselves. And, and in, as you said, the, the Si Senor, the Alex Sabrinas piece we went to Spain for, let's, yeah, we could do that and then just put Spanish, you know, subtitles on it. But we did it the reverse. We did it all in Spanish and provided English subtitles. So, yeah, we just want to challenge ourselves each year. Uh, what is the story we want to tell? How do we want to tell it? How do we want to be different? How do we want to try something different? Um, I think it keeps us all fresh, not just for these big projects, but for everything we do every day in our content to make sure that it is the best it can be. And that leads us to the newest installment to this OKC Thunder Films lineup, which is Pause the Game. And this is different from any other documentary that OKC Thunder Films has done. Dan, kind of put into perspective how different, other than obviously topic, how this documentary itself sets itself apart from previous projects? Well, I mean, obviously we are uniquely qualified to tell the story of what happened on March 11th, 2020. It happened in our arena. It happened on the day of our game. We thought it was the, the story of the night was who would be the fourth seed, who would be the fifth seed as we were ready to take on the Utah Jazz. Instead, it turned into a global story of a global pandemic. 
it was our people that were deeply involved in it. And people like Clay Bennett, our chairman, Sam Presti, our general manager, Dr. Donnie Strack, who heads up our medical team, and, and everybody else, our players, our, our staff, our fans, it all happened inside our arena. And I, you know, to, to really, you know, it seems like that was 20 years ago, but it also seems like it was yesterday. And, you know, we, we kind of were in the middle of it all. And it's, it took almost, a, it took a year basically to, to step back and really let's sit down and figure out minute, almost minute by minute what happened. And really the piece is a focus on that day. It starts in the morning and then in the afternoon as, as you know, everybody's getting ready for the game. You know, we knew there was some COVID-19, which we didn't even call it at that point. It was the coronavirus. It was just some things that the league was putting into place, some precautions, some things. And we all took it a little more seriously. Um, we do back it up a little bit to that road trip prior to March 11th in Detroit and New York and Boston, where, you know, things were, things were starting to like, what is this thing all about? Okay, we need to wash our hands. We need hand sanitizer. Nobody was talking about masks yet. And it was just like, no, nobody really knew what it was. Everybody kind of knew it was bumped up in, in seriousness. We heard what was going on in Europe, heard what was going on in China. But, you know, how serious would it be? And, and then, um, obviously, as the day developed and we learned more, we learned from the Jazz that they might have a player that was being tested. And as our, all of our people were sort of planning on the various contingencies, um, it all kind of swelled into this, these anxious moments of, just before tip-off. And, you know, it's just things happen. So it, it's almost like they happen fast, but also like it was in slow motion. You know, it's like, I think we determined that the period of time that when the game was sort of like about to tip, but Donnie Strack and Rob Hennigan went out and talked to the refs, had them pause the game. That's where the title comes from, by the way, in case anybody's <laughs> wondering. Um, it's like, it, it was like, what, seven minutes or something? It seemed like 400 minutes uh, when you look back and, and know what we're going through. Because, you know, we exposed ourselves a little bit in the fact that there was uncertainty, but there was uncertainty in the whole world. I mean, that was the same day that the World Health Organization declared this a global pandemic. It was the same day that Dr. Fauci was before Congress saying that it was 10 times worse than the seasonal flu. I mean, things were just starting to kind of be processed about what this thing might mean. And then all of a sudden, you know, people starting to wonder, you know, it, should I be at a game? Should I, should I be at, have my kid at school? Should I be at work? What's this all about? And then concretely, we come in and there's this issue of 18,000 people in a building. And there's suddenly word that a player on the other team had tested positive. And so then it was, I mean, we're kind of admitting, I mean, it was, there was some, there was apprehension. There was a, there was a little fear. People were just confused and, and worried. And, and we, we kind of capture all that from all fronts. And like I said, we're pretty uniquely qualified to tell it. I think the other interesting thing about the piece that, that I love is all of the angles of, of the video that you see. I mean, we have cameras everywhere in that building. We have people shooting video, whether it's media or fans or staff or the, the broadcast. We all, you know, we do, a lot of this played out on TV. I mean, yeah, we had a building full of people, but we also had an audience around the league and around the world really watching. And all this was happening right as the game was about to tip off. A game that, as we said, had playoff implications. Um, you know, we were just in the final month of the regular season. And it's like, this is literally the difference between potential home court advantage in the playoffs. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was a, it was a bit of a frightening night. It was a bit of a scary night. It was, uh, but at the end of the day, I, I'm really proud of our, our staff, obviously our leadership in Mr. Bennett and Sam Presti, who had, you know, 
people always ask, what's your crisis communications plan? And I worked in Governor Keating's office during the bombing in 1995. And people always say, you know, what, what did you do? What was your crisis communications plan? And I always say, just hire good people. Hire people that can think on their feet, that can, that can plan, that can think things out rationally and, and don't get caught up in it and really focus. And, and that's what we have. And that's the leadership that we have. And that's, that's why we were able to get through it. But I think we all admit, because we we're all there that night, we didn't really know what was going on. And the key thing from, from the basketball side was to get to those officials and pause the game and really evaluate what was going on. You know, Rudy Gobert tested positive. What does that mean? Players, coaches, refs left the floor. Then it was time to determine what we would tell the fans, what we tell the public. Dan, you mentioned that the dozens of never seen before camera angles that we utilize in the film, also 24 interviews that span 747 minutes worth of interview footage. We shot that in a pretty unique way as well. Uh, just what are your thoughts on maybe the production process and what went into actually putting together all of this footage that came from a variety of sources, but all happened actually within our building. Yeah, it was the the terrific thing is the is the people that we have, Nick, you and Paris, and and then as I said, Michael Zubak, who's our creative lead on this, really our videographer, our director, our editor. I think it was you know we have all that stuff at our disposal, um, and we went out and found some too, uh, fan video and some media that were taking things, and we, obviously we went to the jazz broadcast, went to our broadcast. We just think it's, you know, we, we want to tell this, the story of this day, because really the, the lead character in the whole film is the day and a lot of supporting cast of all the people involved in it. But, and I guess the virus is a supporting cast, but the lead character is the day and what happened throughout that day. And, and we, uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, all these various angles that really kind of put you in the middle of it. It's not just, you know, the one TV camera shot that you normally see. It's all kinds of different views of this from all kinds of different angles. And like I said, it makes you feel like you're there. I've always been interested in this, Dan, because obviously Nick, me and Nick were two rows behind the actual court. We were witnessing all of this play out in real time. You were part of the decision-making process that was happening behind the scenes. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, like safety, you know, what, what's happening, what's going on. At what point that day and then actually creating the film, did you realize that this needed to be a documentary? I don't remember the exact date, but Matt Tumbleson is our VP of basketball communications and engagement. Uh, Matt and I work very closely together as, as you all do too. We, we kind of, once we were done with last year's, which was the Everyday Saint, which was the wonderful story of Mark St. Ives, who is our VP of logistics and longtime equipment manager. And by the way, all of our Thunder films can, can be seen at okcthunderfilms.com. Thought I'd throw that in. Nice um, plug. But once we were done with that one, we, we, you know, we just sort of evaluated what's next. And we usually try to have a year's heads up. And we talked about all kinds of different things. And I, I think what we finally, you know, because we talked about would it be something related to the bubble when, when our team was, was in Orlando. At the end of the day, it was probably after the, the season ended last season, the 1920 season, after Orlando, I think we just said, this is the story we have to tell. This is the story that no one else can tell like we can because it was our arena. And it really did set the stage for the shutdown of events. You know, I mean, when you think of that day and, you know, again, Tom Hanks announced later that night he had COVID. 
the league, the NBA shut down the next day, baseball and hockey and Broadway. And it just really was the epicenter of it all. And, and we just determined no one can tell it like we can. So we needed to do it. So that was probably sometime late summer. You know, you're talking about the start of the shutdown and how that all happened in our building. And now we're telling the story of that night in the midst of having to be socially distanced during the past year, trying to to make this film. And we got some practice by finishing The Everyday Saint and getting, you know, a, a little bit of that storyline of, of March 11th into The Everyday Saint as well. I'm just curious what you've thought about maybe what's changed from a filmmaking perspective, how we've had to adapt and adjust in, you know, the last year to be able to actually create this film um, in time for, for the film festival, the Dead Center Film Festival. Yeah, once we decided that this would be the topic, um, we just had to, to see what level of production we'd have to do. Would we have to do all these interviews by Zoom or could we sit down in a safe environment and interview on camera? By the time that we were actually able to do the interviews, um, we were in a position where we could do that and do it safely. And that, that was the key, including, you know, Shay and Lou who are in this, who, who were uh, deeply involved as members of the team on March 11th. But yeah, I, I think we really did want to, to the best we could and, and in the best safe environment, make it the best quality that it could be. And you alluded to it, Nick, but, but this, this uh, you know, kind of this look that Michael Zubak came up with, which is when people watch the film, you know, you've got, you've got the, the participants looking straight into the camera, which, which we think, and, and Zuby led the way on this, is, is just showing that that's so much more personal. It's, it's, it's not really even an interview. It's more like a, a testimonial or a, a just bringing the voices of these people into this in a very personal way. And because we were able to set that up, do those in person with a higher quality, I think makes the film even that much better. I mean, it would have been good if they were Zoom calls because at the end of the day, the content is the thing and the storytelling is the thing. But to bump it up in quality like we did, I think only adds to it. I'm sure a lot of people now at this point are just ready and excited to see this documentary. We've been talking about it so much. So the documentary itself will premiere for the first time June 12th at Dead Center Film Festival in Oklahoma City. Dan, this isn't the first time that the OKC Thunder Films has had a film premiere at Dead Center. You, you talked to it a little bit, but talk, talk to us a little bit more about that partnership that the Thunder, OKC Thunder Films has with Dead Center. Well, if you're going to um, start a, a film a film franchise, uh, there's nothing better than to partner with an organization that is so highly regarded in the film world, and that is Dead Center. Like I said, it's their 21st year. They're recognized as one of the top film festivals in the nation on many top 10 lists uh, of film festivals, and they've been terrific partners. We basically have a regular spot, which is the, the opening act for their Saturday night public screenings. Uh, the first two that we did, of course, Mr. Thunder and then uh, Growing Up George were live at Miri Gardens. They'd have the feature film and then we would be the opening act um, to be the, uh, the, the film that opened it. Uh, last year, of course, was all virtual. And then this year, we're back to a live screening, a live free public screening. It'll be Saturday night at uh, Booker T. Washington Park in Oklahoma City. And it will precede Summer, um, Summer of Soul, which is Quest Love's documentary, highly regarded documentary about the 1969 Harlem Cultural Fest. And I'm really looking forward to sticking around after our film and watching that. It came out of Sundance, very, very highly regarded. This is the only outdoor screening that it's having anywhere in the country. 
And so I um, would encourage people to come for that, but obviously come for our film as well. But Dead Center has been a terrific partner and we're, we hope this is a long running partnership that we'll, we will just keep doing these every year. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Even being a part of the process, I don't know. There's something about a premiere and a film festival just gets you really excited. And so, Dan, thank you so much for being with us and breaking down OKC Thunder Films and what we can look forward to with Pause the Game. Yeah, there's, there's, so those who are listening to the pod here and are not in Oklahoma City, and we know we have a lot of those, Dead Center will put on its free community showcase at deadcenterfilm.org starting after Saturday night. So starting on Sunday for about a week to almost 10 days, people will be able to watch it for free at the uh, OKC, uh, I'm sorry, the Dead Center website, their community showcase. That's perfect. Well, uh, the more ways to watch, the better. Uh, Hopefully everyone gets out to Booker T. Washington Park there at 8 p.m. this upcoming Saturday, the 12th. Uh, But Dan, as Paris said, thank you so much. Thank you for leading our film, uh, OKC Thunder Films division. It's a a joy to be a part of. And I I know we're all excited about this week's buildup to the big debut. Yeah, a wonderful team effort, uh, you know, led by you you two and and Michael Zubak and John Reed, and of course, Matt Tumbleson and all the people that were involved from our chairman on down. It was a tremendous story to be able to tell. I'm very proud of our organization. Certainly very proud of OKC Thunder Films. Same here. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks, guys. Well, before we wrap up, we wanted to set you up with some key upcoming dates to be aware of, mark on your calendar, be ready for as we progress through this offseason. Yeah, NBA is a 12-month sport, Paris, and everybody, I know we're all watching the NBA playoffs, but there's also some uh, key dates as well lined up that will help the Thunder moving forward uh, into next season and beyond. The NBA Draft Combine is June 21st through 27th, so if you want to, keep an eye on that. And right in the middle of that, June 22nd is the Draft Lottery, so that'll determine kind of where the Thunder ends up in, in terms of its draft picks. Obviously, a lot can change between that date and the draft, and Thunder is always going to be flexible and use the versatility of all the different assets that it has. But uh, that draft lottery uh, is definitely a date to mark and, and something to keep an eye on in terms of where the Thunder's draft picks will actually fall this season. A lot can happen, but you can always count on us, the Thunder Basketball Universe, to keep you up to date on everything that you need to know. So to be sure to come back here every week, we've got you covered on everything that you need to know. In regards to those dates, mark them on your calendar. We got you covered. That's all for today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining and listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to Dan Mahoney and to our producer. And until next time, Thunder Up and catch you later.